Locked on NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Charlotte to speak with Walker Mail of Locked On Hornets about Michael Jordan selling a portion of the team. We will go to Dallas to speak with Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks about Dirk Nowitzki's new role with FIBA, the Mavericks court, and Luka Doncic's all-star chances for this season. And lastly, we go to Orlando to speak with Philip Rossman-Reich of Locked On Magic. Wrapping up Spain's FIBA World Cup win and the play of Evan Fournier in France's bronze medal campaign. It's all coming up. The bigger stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and I'm the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. The FIBA World Cup is over. NBA training camps are right around the corner. Interesting stuff happening across the league. So let's get to it. I'm joined now by one of the hosts of the Locked On Hornets podcast, Walker Mail, is here to talk to me today. Uh, Walker, some interesting things happening with the Hornets over the last couple of days. Can you explain to us, we've seen the report of Michael Jordan selling a portion of the team, exactly what went down with this uh, with this sale uh, with the Charlotte Hornets ownership? Yeah, so, so last week, the Charlotte Observer, the local paper here, broke the story. They had an exclusive of Michael Jordan, the story of him selling the team, and uh, at least just selling a part of the team is, is more accurate. So when you look back on Michael Jordan, you know he bought equity in the team, and uh, he invested in the team in 2010 for about 65% control of the team. And so what happened is they started losing, they started losing money annually, and then in order to cover all the costs, uh, the minority owners would put in more money, and then what would happen is Michael Jordan would put all of the additional funds in to try to keep up with all the losses that were happening annually, which eventually led to him gaining more and more control to the point where a, a source close to the team said that Jordan owns about 90% of the franchise, 97%, I should say, of the franchise's equity. So I think what's happening here is Michael Jordan is just simply selling part of the team in order to cash in on some of that value. He bought it for $180 million. I think he invested less than $180 million in 2010 to buy 65%. That means the franchise was valued at about $287 million. After Bob Johnson, at the time, agreed to pay the NBA a $300 million expansion fee. So it was valued about $287 million. Forbes had the Hornets listed at $1.3 billion in the latest publications of what each team in the NBA is valued at. So now I think Michael Jordan is simply just trying to cash in on something, uh, selling this to a couple of hedge funds, uh, head fund owners, um, and, and just trying to cash in a little bit on it. He still wants to control the team. He's still going to control all of the basketball operations side. Of course, and just having the, the staff, he's going to make the decision on who the guys making that decision are. And, you know, Michael Jordan does also say that he wants to own the team for a long time. I, I simply think that this is just uh, him trying to cash in on some of the value of the franchise. 
Well, that was going to be my next question to you, is that yeah, Jordan has been roundly and I think correctly criticised for the direction that he has uh, had the Hornets going in, in some of the ownership decisions, in the apparent, um, you know, I guess the, the optics of you know, jobs for the boys type of a situation, bringing Mitch Kupchak in. Uh, to be the GM because of, not because, well, I guess the, the appearance is because of North Carolina ties there as well. And Cupchecks made some questionable decisions in this role so far. So I guess my question was going to be, does this change any of that sort of basketball operations? Or are we still going to have Jordan? I don't know if meddling's the right term. You're closer to it than me, Walker. Is it meddling that is Jordan, you know, not the GM, but basically the GM in terms of directing all these moves? That, that's not going to change, is it? So, no, no, it doesn't. And just to get a little bit more detailed, no, it's not. And maybe, look, there have been some rumors about Michael Jordan meddling in some things. Everybody blames Michael Jordan for the Frank Kaminsky draft selection, which Michael Jordan was rumored to be very fond of. Zach Lowe had that report about Michael Jordan turning down the godfather offer, quote unquote, of the Boston Celtics trying to move up and draft Justice Winslow. Instead, the Hornets wanted to stay uh, home and draft Frank Kaminsky, which so that was that report. You know, there there are some other things that Michael Jordan has reportedly rumored in. But I think a lot of it, you know, when, when you look at Rich Cho here for a long time and Steve Clifford, who was the head coach for the Hornets for a long time, uh, Michael Jordan let Steve Clifford run that team and uh, you had also Steve Clifford saying that Michael Jordan was very supportive um, of of him running that team as the head coach. So I think that Michael Jordan has made a couple of bad decisions here and there for sure. I think he is, you know, correctly criticized about what he's done with the Charlotte Hornets. But I think, you know, a lot of that is – there are rumors also, as I kind of ramble on here, there are uh, some rumors as well that Michael Jordan actually wanted Donovan Mitchell – and Steve Clifford, of course, wanted Donovan Mitchell. But Rich Cho, in order to try to save his job, took the guy that a lot of people had ranked higher on their boards, and Rich Cho wanted to go with Malik Monk at the time. It certainly seems like that was the wrong decision. So, you know, it, it does seem like Michael, for the most part, allows the general manager to make the decisions he's supposed to and the head coach to run the team the way that he wants to. Um, but there have been, of course, some, some things that have happened in the past that Michael Jordan certainly should be questioned on. Well, yeah, talking about general managers and Kupchak now, we did hear from uh, from the front office and the head coach over the last couple of days, and it does seem, Walker, as though the Hornets are looking to embrace this rebuild. They refuse to use the term rebuild. Um, I don't remember the exact <laughs> they, they were throwing out there, but it was something that meant rebuild. They just didn't want to say that term. But giving these minutes to these younger guys, your Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, but they, they really hedged the words from what I could understand from the press conferences saying, well, they're going to get a lot of minutes maybe it's with charlotte maybe it's with greensbury is that just to try and i guess keep some sort of level of competitive optimism going at the early part of the season or is it just really what they're thinking that we're going to play these guys but we don't know if it's going to be for the big team or for the g league team yeah i i think I, we talked about this in the uh, the nba preview that you hosted josh i think a lot of this is just a little overblown i think it probably is to try to keep the competitive spirits up because there's just no way to me that P.J. Washington is going to spend a significant portion, given the circumstances of this team right now, is to spend a significant portion down with the G League affiliate. It just doesn't make me. Now, Borrego does love using the G League as a means of getting some of the guys that wouldn't get minutes otherwise getting some minutes, right? I mean, we had Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham go down to the Greensboro Swarm quite a bit last year. And 
I think that actually helped them. They would get minutes at the end of the regular season in that weird experiment where it seemed like they were giving up on a playoff uh, spot by playing the younger guys, but they actually ended up winning. That was a very weird thing that happened at the end of the Hornets season. But I think Dwayne Bacon and Devontae Graham really did bring a ton of run with the G League team. Now, I, Miles Bridges didn't go down there. So he was the first-round selection. He stayed with the regular regular roster the entire time. I think P.J. Washington is going to spend, really, the entire regular season up with the Charlotte Hornets as well. But uh, to me, it, it is interesting, though, that it, it's just – it's not interesting. It's just kind of funny how they ref- refuse to use the word rebuild. I it just – you know, general managers hate that word. People in the front office hate that because I think they view it with negative connotation. And it doesn't have to be that. That is for the Charlotte Hornets. This is not a team that's going to compete for a playoff spot. They can use the word transition all they want to. And I guess they're right to some degree. But this is absolutely a rebuild. And the younger guys are going to get a lot of run for the team this year. Yeah, look, them avoiding that term, it's, it's interesting that they want to avoid the term rebuild because it's considered negative. But to me, from a, a media perspective, and I'm pretty sure from a fan perspective, like having that idea, like, no, we're rebuilding because the idea of build is building something up. Like we're, we're looking at, okay, we're building the next good team. We're stopping whatever this was. We were constantly battling for the seven to nine spot in, in the Eastern Conference. And no, we're, so we're stopping that part of it. But we're building up to something new. We're getting these young guys, the future of this team. Nick Batum's not the future. Marvin Williams isn't the future. Future. Bismarck Biombo is for sure not the future, but you know, building up is is a positive to me. So it's just weird that front offices don't exactly see it in that same way. But that uh, that is the way they have to go. And of course, pressures come from all different sorts of angles with the, the front office and the coaching staff and all that sort of stuff. But Walker, it is going to be an interesting season for the Hornets. It's not going to likely include many wins, but development is going to be key. And you're going to have all that covered for us over on Locked On Hornets. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. I appreciate the time, man. Always have fun. Thanks again. Can't find a workout that keeps you engaged? Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to onepeloton.com and use promo code LOCKED to get started. I'm now joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Mavericks podcast, Nick Angstat, is here with me. A few interesting things happening in the world of the Mavericks. Nick, we heard uh, Dallas release that they will be including a, an image of the recently retired Dirk Nowitzki on their courts this season. Um, what, do you, what do you make of how that logo looks uh, at first, I guess, especially if you're looking at it upside down, it doesn't, doesn't really look like Dirk, but I think it's a, I think it's a nice touch. And obviously, Dirk is uh, very, uh, very much loved in the Dallas area. How do you think it doesn't look like Dirk? That's the iconic one-legged fade shot. That's, that's his shot. It is him. Whoever does that, whatever like silhouette it is, it is him. That's that's like his, I think his be, shot. If you looked at that silhouette in isolation and you didn't see it on a Mavericks court, you'd be like, what, what exactly is this? You can see it if it's Dirk, <laughs> obviously. And when you look at that, the tweet with the original court that came out, and you look down on the, the right-hand side and the upside-down one, it, it it looks like a it looks like some sort of chimpanzee holding onto ropes with really long arms, <laughs> but that's that's because it's upside down. Of course, we're not meant to look at it upside down. But this is a a fitting tribute to Dirk uh, for this season after his yeah, many many years in Dallas. He's finally retiring. He has has his uh, logo on the court. Is there any word whether it's going to be just for this season? It's going to be a multi season thing. Like what's what's the idea behind this? And is there any other things that have been rumored or uh, are going to be happening for Dirk this season? Yeah, I don't even think the Mavericks officially uh, like announced this yet. It came out because uh, NBA 2K oh, released, always. the 2K20 release, and it was in the game. 
And so uh, a guy named Skyler in Dallas, who is pretty well known in Mavs circles for doing uh, jersey edits, and he does all the, the cool Mavs jerseys that everyone wants them to, to pick up, and they never do. Uh, he... <laughs> released a, a, a picture of it and it had the two silhouettes on it which was really cool and then the mavericks had posted a picture of the court uh with uh, just a, a thing about season tickets or like some text about season tickets over it and then there was these big black like tarps or carpets that were over those two areas and we didn't think anything of it because it was just an off-season photo maybe they're doing an event there but the reason why those were there is because those little logos are being uh, covered up by those tarps and so uh, I think it's, it's definitely real, and it is—it's awesome. It's amazing that Dirk gets this, you know, logo. And I don't know if it's going to be for just next year or forever, but it should be forever because he's the greatest player that's ever played for the franchise and probably ever will. We're going to talk about the potential of that maybe not being the case in a little bit of time. But some more Dirk news before we go on. He has been appointed as the chair of the FIBA Players Commission. Um, he follows on from Vladi Divac, who had that position. So what it is, it's a commission that was started in 2014 by FIBA to give players and former players a voice in the decision-making process. So Dirk, we've heard plenty of uh, words from him over the off-season about how he's getting fat and he's enjoying traveling. He's been in Europe <laughs> with his family. But now he has a, a basketball role for the next at least five years here as the chair of this player's board. Um, this this player's board, I think it's it's important that you know, FIBA has a voice from the players, especially on some of the curious decisions they made in terms of moving the World Cup. But this is, I guess it gives us an indication of what Dirk's going to be doing over the next few years and working to help grow the game and get things uh, you know, working in the right direction. Yeah, Dirk was recently doing an interview with Ben and Skin, who hosts a uh, radio show in Dallas. And uh, he's talking about you know getting fat and he's talking about not working out a lot. And recently, uh, he said that his wife was giving him the side eye. Uh, and so maybe this is a little bit of nudge, get out of the house, go do something. Uh, and this is a cool thing for him to be doing. This is something that, you know, a tournament that he was a part of and that now he can bring his voice to like Vlade did. Uh, Vlade was part of the front office of the of the Kings while he was doing this. So I don't think it's going to take up, a you know, a ton of time. I think he's, you know, it's not going to be like his full-time job or anything like that. Um, what Dirk is doing right now, which he actually just hosted uh, on Sunday, was his uh, his charity tennis event which is really, really cool. Luca was in it. Steve Nash was in it. Uh, a bunch of other you know, local celebrities and things uh, were in it to help his foundation. And that said, he said that that's one of the biggest things that's taking up his time right now is the foundation. So he's putting a lot of work into that, which is awesome. But this is another thing that he's adding um, to add his voice to something like this tournament. Speaking of Luca, you mentioned was at Dirk's uh, tournament a week or so ago. There was an article put out on CBS uh, the, the article's headlined 10 first-time NBA All-Star candidates. And of course, Luka Doncic's name is on that list. He's actually number two on that list of potential first-time All-Stars with uh, Devin Booker ahead, ahead of him and Donovan Mitchell just under him. But Nick, I guess you know, we saw Luka had the huge amount of votes last season in terms of being a starter. He almost got that position. The starters um, ended up being Steph Harden, George Durant and LeBron, of course, Kevin Durant no longer in the Western Conference, but Kawhi Leonard is now in the Western Conference. The rest of that all-star roster, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, who's not going to be in the mix there either. 
Anthony Davis, Lamarcus Aldridge, Nikola Jokic, and Carl Anthony Towns in the aforementioned Nowitzki with that special roster spot. So there's at least two spots there that are available, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson's. You would assume Kawhi Leonard gets one of those. But how uh, you know, the, the chance for Doncic to A, be voted into a, as a starter, uh, the fan vote only counts 50%, of course. But what do you make of his chances to get in all these articles and you're putting him as one of the, the, the top two guys to have a, a first-time All-Star appearance in his second season? Josh, I may be a little biased, but he's absolutely going to be an all-star. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You can you can, you can write it down. Uh, he was so close last year with the voting, and I just think now with with Clay Thompson being out and and Durant, like he said, uh, that's two spots, and he he should have filled one of those spots. And it's not like he was Zaza Pachulia, where he's just no. getting a ton of votes from you know outside influences, and he didn't deserve it. He was deserving of it last year too. He had numbers that very few players in the NBA had. And uh, and he's just going to ex- expand on that. He's going to be better. He has an off season to work out and hopefully get more than one ab, like he says. And I think that he's he's just going to be more improved. He's going to have a player like Porzingis next to him. It's going to take some of the load off that he's going to be able to be more efficient this year. Uh, this is his this is his year right now, and uh, he's just only going to get better. And I man, all the people that say that he's hit his ceiling, they they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, that, <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. That's at obviously all. Ridiculous. He's got another level to go to. Um, now, yeah, we, we talked about you know, Durant and Clay out of there. Kawhi takes one of those spots. I think Lamarcus Aldridge's spot is also perhaps a little bit up in the air in that All Star roster for next season. It's hard to see. It's hard to see Lillard or Davis or Jokic or Towns, any of those bench guys, or Curry, Harden, George, and LeBron in that starting lineup. Uh, any of those guys missing that spot, you could make the argument that maybe Russell Westbrook in Houston is not in the in the mix this season. Lamarcus Aldridge perhaps isn't in there as well, and then you've got uh, Durant and Clay. So there are some spots for uh, for Luca to get in there, and of course those other names: Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, other Western Conference players on that list. It's a list of ten guys. The other guy. From the West out of that 10 is CJ McCollum. So only, only uh, four Western Conference uh, options that was presented in this initial list. Would you have Doncic as the favorite to grab one of those spots ahead of Booker and Mitchell and CJ? Definitely ahead of Booker. Definitely ahead of CJ. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is hard because you think that the, I think the Jazz are going to be really good this year. I really like their team. I like the, the addition of Mike Conley. And so if a, a team is is you know one of the top two teams in the in the West going into the All Star break, which the Jazz might be, they they kind of have to have an All Star, right? I think that that coaches usually yeah. take. I think Rudy you know, Gobert is going to one of the that. one of the players from the top, and so it could be Rudy Gobert again, uh, who is really close, and uh, maybe he gets to dry his eyes finally. Um, but Donovan Mitchell has a good chance. I mean, he he played pretty well in FIBA that that final game uh, that they lost against. Uh, France, he was I mean, he had 29 points through the first three quarters, and so uh, usually guys take some of that momentum into the season with them from these you know, international tournaments. So maybe he does that and has you know their breakout season. So it could be either of those two guys. Uh, but yeah, it would be tough to see if if the Jazz were that much better than the Mavs going into there. It'd be hard for me to see coaches pick Luca over Donovan Mitchell if that's what it came to. So we've got a few spots opening there. Again, Gobert, I think, is a chance. Conley's a chance. Drew Holiday, also a chance to get into that All-Star game. So it is going to be interesting to see how that all works. We're a fair way off from that, but it is interesting off-season fodder as we await training camps, and now the FIBA World Cup is over. Nick, thank you for jumping on. You can hear all Nick's Mavericks takes over on the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely. 
I'm joined now by the host of the Locked On Magic podcast, Philip Rossman. Reich is here with me to discuss the end of the FIBA World Cup. We'll talk some magic stuff in relation to that as well. But FIBA is over. Spain are the world champions with a uh, pretty comprehensive victory over Argentina in the end, uh, led by uh, MV- finals MVP Ricky Rubio and, of course, Mark Gasol. In there, putting up some big numbers. Rubio finished with 20 and 7 with three assists in the final. And uh, Phil, from a non-Magic perspective, you know, we saw Rubio really dominate at, at this tournament, you know, put up some, some big numbers. Is this an encouraging sign for him heading into a new situation, a new team in the NBA? Or does, is, is FIBA just a, you know, we saw Paddy Mills look like Steph Curry at times during FIBA. Is it just a different game where he really excels? You know, I, I think it's obviously a little bit of both because you obviously have players playing roles that, that they may not play when they're with the NBA team. I mean, Patty Mills has to be the guy for for Australia, uh, just kind of driving in. And, and the FIBA game is a little bit more physical than the NBA game. They're, they're allowed a little bit more contact. Uh, and, and it's officiated differently, but you know, and, and of course, the three-point line being a little bit, a little bit closer, probably favors a player like Ricky Rubio, who maybe struggles a little bit from the NBA three-point line, but is really effective in in, in that mid-range game. But you know, for for a guy like Ricky Rubio, for a guy that's kind of been through this ringer, this this can be a little bit refreshing. I mean, I think you're seeing guys get high-level minutes. They're getting they they can build up confidence, and and there's actually some 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 studies and some thought that playing for your national team and playing well for your national team actually leads to a little bit of a bump at the beginning of the season. So I think Phoenix should be really encouraged by what Ricky Rubio did. He was consistent and solid throughout the whole tournament and and pretty uh, pretty good choice to be the MVP. He uh, yeah he was really strong. Marcus Sol obviously yeah, put up some big numbers, but I don't think we're expecting a bump from Marcus Sol given his age. It's probably going to take more out of him than it's going to give back as the uh, as the season goes on. Argentina didn't have any current NBA players there. Luis Scola and Nicolas Prusino on that team, but um, Campazzo I thought was really interesting. For Sundo Campazzo, he's still only 28 years of age. I thought he showed you know, plenty during this tournament to say that NBA teams maybe should give him at least somewhat of a look. Uh, I thought he was I thought he was solid enough uh, to at least say that he could hang in the NBA. Yeah, and, and Campazzo I thought played really, really well. I mean, his outside shot was was fantastic throughout the whole tournament. He had a had a couple games where, where I mean, hit where he was just hitting shots left and right. You know, I, I think the issue might be a little bit about his size. And, and yeah. honestly, you got to wonder for a lot of these guys, just their desire to come to the United States. Some guys want to test themselves against the NBA um, and and see if they can play at what is supposedly the highest level. I, would, I think it's the highest level, but some guys are pretty happy with their lives, wherever they're playing, being the star. I mean, you look at a guy like Milos Teodosic, who everyone believed was ready to play in the NBA or overdue to play in the NBA. He came over, and yeah, he struggled with injuries, but he was kind of a bench guy. I mean, there there is something to say, like, you know, if I'm going to play, and I know I can be the star on a championship team in, in EuroLeague, then maybe that's that's where, where I'm going to be. And so I think that's kind of some of the issue with, with the Argentinian players. I mean, both Campasso and, and La Profitola, yeah. uh, La Profitola, I'm sorry if I butchered that pronunciation, um, have both been solid guys for Argentina for several cycles through the World Cup and the Olympics. Um, and they just may not be destined to make it into the NBA. I'm going to have a go pronouncing that name as well. Uh, and people listening, they can let us know which one was right. I'm going to go La, <laughs> La Provatola is, is how I'm going to go. I that think one. that's correct. We'll, we'll see We'll see how that one goes. But another guy that fits into that similar boat for the Spanish team, Sergio Yui, as well, who Houston holds the draft rights to. I think he could be a solid NBA, at least in you know, a seventh or eighth man at the very least. But it looks like he's just never going to come to the NBA because he's just so, he's so set in what he's doing over in Europe. And he was really good over here again. Both the Hernan Gomez's, Billy and Juancho put up big numbers for Spain as 
arrested former NBA as Rudy Fernandez. And uh, I was going to say that uh, Victor Claver did a lot, but he didn't. He, he was out there. He hit a crazy shot in warm-up. If you haven't seen that, go uh, go yeah, Google search Victor Claver warm-up in the final. It's a ridiculous, like, over-the-back over the hand, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's a it's a crazy shot. And if you haven't seen it, go and check that out. So that is the FIBA World Cup done for another uh, cycle. But Philip, we do need to talk a little bit of magic here because Evan Fournier helped lead France through to the bronze medal, beating my own Australian team. There, Fournier struggled at times with consistency last season, but he looked uh, he looked pretty strong. He made the All Star five of the tournament. Um, uh, weirdly enough, Paddy Mills didn't make that team, which I thought was a little bit, a uh, little bit unfair. But Fournier got in that team along with Bogdan Bogdanovic, Rubio, uh, and, and Marcus Sol. Um, yeah, what what do we take out of Fournier? Because it's probably the best he's ever played for France. I think that's fair to say. You know, it, it, can we take that in? Like, it, I think the hair maybe gives us a, a false idea of what his age is because he's not that old. He just looks like he's that old. How how positive is this for Fournier? Um, I think it's it's hugely positive for him. I mean, I think the big the big issue for Evan Fournier last year was that he couldn't shoot the ball. I mean, his, yeah. he shot a career worse from beyond the arc. It was even worse in the playoffs, shooting worse than thirty percent. And you know, for the Orlando Magic, they need him to shoot the ball effectively. But every other part of his game, I thought, made pretty significant improvements. Uh, he was a defender that Steve Clifford trusted uh, in several moments. I mean, he was a guy that no one could guard James Harden, but Steve Clifford, who's known for being a hard defensive coach trusted Evan Fournier to guard James Harden in, in both the matchups that the Magic had with the Rockets. The Magic ended up splitting that season series with Houston. Uh, he's a guy that worked really well in pick and rolls and, and improved his playmaking as well. So a lot of uh, a lot of the other elements of Evan Fournier's game really improved last year. The only thing that was missing was his, was his shooting and scoring and his efficiency in, in that area. And some of it was, you know, I think he was a little hesitant. Sometimes I think he was kind of searching for his own shot. And what we saw with, with France, I thought, was Fournier really with an aggressive mindset, attacking quickly off the bounce in pick and rolls, you know, finding that mid-range jumper where he's comfortable hitting shots and just playing really, really aggressively the way that we know that 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 if you've watched Evan Fournier, you know that he can play and he can get hot in a hurry and put up big scoring numbers. Um, I, I think it was really encouraging. And I think that it'll that you know, being on the all all World Cup team, getting a bronze medal will build confidence. But I think what was also interesting is is Fournier went on to Twitter after all the medal ceremonies were over with a photo of the team. And you could tell he was like the only player on France that wasn't happy. And and he said in French, and so I put it through Google Translate, he essentially said, you know, I won't lie. I'm not happy about winning a bronze medal. I expected us to do more. I know we can do better. Uh, And and he really wanted that gold medal. And I think that hunger to improve, it showed itself with with how he played for France at the World Cup, and I think that's a good sign for the Magic moving forward into into next season. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how Fournier can translate that form across. Of course, we've seen the ESPN projections, yeah, and people talking like Zach Lowe talk about maybe the Magic can push into even home court in the first round, which seems wild on the surface, but internal improvement from young guys and a bounce back season from Fournier, maybe that gets the Magic there. It's going to be interesting nonetheless. The Mark L. Fultz mystery, the internal development, all that stuff for the Magic. It's going to be interesting to watch. Philip, you're going to have it all. Covered for us over on Locked On Magic. So thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and give us a five-star review. It's a great way of helping the show get out to more people, tell your friends, but giving that review is a great way of uh, of helping us grow everything over here at the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble, and the network on Twitter and Instagram is Locked On NBA Net. Go and check that out, and of course, go and check out Locked On Live as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.